We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Welcome to the Budding Heads Podcast from Rams Talk Radio. I'm Steve Ribeiro. As always, I'm joined with Johnny Gomez. We're back. We didn't do a show last week, but we're here. Uh, Johnny, I have heard that you literally haven't slept in days, and you're here just to do the show. So you know what? Now you know how I feel. (laughs) Well, I mean, I'm not a New Yorker or anything, so I'm not used to that. As Californians, you know, (laughs) we, we need our sleep. Keeping me up till midnight to record the podcast sometimes uh hey but it's all good uh i'm excited you're back uh our apology well my apologies for not doing a show last week johnny had informed me a while ago that he wasn't going to be here and i got sick sunday and didn't feel like putting a show together so that's that it is what it is guys but we're back it's june as always in june we have riveting riveting off-season topics to talk about uh, but before we get into it, guys, don't forget you can get our podcast wherever you're getting your podcast. 
whether that's iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Player FM, Android, Radio Public, and Spotify. And don't forget, you can find us on the Clutch Points app and also check out our other shows on the feed, Rams Talk Radio and Rams Uncensored, both great, uh, enjoyable, very different shows. Uh, I got to say, out of the three of us, Rams Uncensored, uh, doing a great job taking the offseason by the balls and getting getting some quality content out for you guys. Um, but, you know, in, in the tradition of this podcast, uh, we have two players that feel like get mentioned far too often uh, when they don't really have a lot to talk about. One of those guys is gone off the team, so we're not even going to give him the light of day. The other guy just resigned for two years with a max value of $8 million, and that is our expected-to-be fifth-string cornerback, Troy Hill. Our starters right now, Marcus Peters and Nakeep Tlaib, they're under contract. Nick Elroby Coleman doesn't look like he's getting out of the slot anytime soon. And a guy we just drafted, David Long, who we're all pretty high on. Got to expect he may be able to take that spot as the fourth cornerback on the roster. So, Johnny, this is your boy. Uh, so I, I got to hear how you feeling about this signing. Two more years of Troy Hill. You know, there's. I feel like when you, whenever we talk about Troy Hill, he's that annoying little fly that's pestering my face when I'm just trying to relax outside. <laughs> and I can't swat this guy, and neither can the Rams apparently – uh, oh man, where do we even begin with this? Okay, so let me be as fair about this as humanly possible. So Troy Hill is a decent backup. Oh man, that hurts saying. That hurts saying. Oh, okay. Let me try to get through this. So he, joking aside, he is a decent backup to have. He's he's a guy that. You know, if if uh, you know your starters need a need a breather, or you know, unfortunately injuries do happen, he's a guy that you do appreciate to have on the roster. That being said, I don't want to see him as a starter. Troy Hill is not a starter, and I think that's kind of why the Rams opted to draft a guy like David Long. You know, just because they know that he isn't a starter, so if you know, we have some unfortunate injuries again this year. We don't have to look at the guys like Troy Hill to actually take the reins again as a starter. So while I don't necessarily mind him being our fifth string quarter cornerback, I don't like his contract at all at two years worth a maximum value of 8 million. Now keep in mind, I realize that this is uh, incentive based as well. Right. So and I'm... I'll give the incentive for our listeners. Uh, the base value is 5.25 million and he gets the other 3 million. If he plays 52% of the defensive snaps, uh, it seems like that's next season, but um, I'm not a hundred percent sure on that. That's what it looks like from what I'm reading, but that's still over two and a half million a year for the fifth string quarterback. So continue. Yeah, I mean, that. in all honesty, it's probably not going to happen. I, At least I hope that that doesn't happen. But uh, for, but still, I feel like that was a little high for a guy like Troy Hill just because I feel like there are some other talented corners out there that could easily take a spot. But 
I think the ultimate goal with this is that he is his familiarity with the defense and you know his experience overall. So when you put those two factors together, I think that's what the Rams ultimately wanted in in terms of this signing. Uh, am I overreacting, Steve? I don't think I'm overreacting. I, well, I'd say you're overreacting a smidge, but it's still like. It's no, it's not in the grand scheme of things. It's not a lot of money, but we've been talking about how tight for cash this team is, pretty much all since February, since the season ended. And you give two point five million to your fifth string cornerback. It's not a lot of money. And look, if he gets that bonus, if he gets the full eight million, then you know we probably needed him, and that's also frightening. Um, I, I we both like David Long. I think all the Rams fans like David Long, and. I guess I have been kind of the chief advocate of, hey, we shouldn't be putting all of our eggs in the unproven players basket. But with David Long, you're not putting all your eggs in that basket because you have a Keith Tlaib and Marcus Peters up there and you have Roby Coleman. So realistically, if everything goes to plan and all our guys play 16 games, neither Troy Hill nor David Long would play a lot. So I don't mind keeping him. I'm just surprised they, they tacked an extra year onto it. Um, I'm surprised it was more than the tender. And it's, it's, you got to credit his agent, man. He got this guy a good deal from a team that, quite frankly, I don't think really needs him. But you mentioned it's a guy that knows the system. It's a guy you want to keep around. If you, You're going to have to throw in a cornerback if somebody gets injured. Troy Hill is not the worst option. But it's also like we saw him as a starter last year, and it, it really did not work out. No, not at all. <laughs> but, again, I I'm, I might be overreacting a little bit, but, um, you know, Hill as as a starter shouldn't happen. And, and I think it won't, just like you said, with the inclusion of uh, Long. And, and I think, you know, for some, you know, are probably speculating well are we are we kind of jumping the gun a little bit to say that David Long gets the nod above Troy Hill at the moment if we're going to play it politically in the NFL spectrum I would say that they would probably have Long listed below Hill at the moment but I think once we see what Hill's cap or, or what uh, Long, I'm sorry, is capable of, I think that's kind of where you'll see separation, and you'll probably see it more when we hit the preseason, and you see, you know, and and while that's not a lock either, maybe Long still has a few things to learn. You know, the NFL is next level, and it's a huge giant step from college, so. We'll see. I, I have all the faith in the world in, in David Long, so we'll see. But uh, I, I think at some point this David Long will be a starter in the NFL. Yeah, I you know I think I agree with you. It's it's a little early, but I'm a big Long fan as well. I was really happy we drafted him. You know, we've gotten quality cornerbacks in that range before, and I do believe that guy could be the next one. And look, we, we can sit here and act like it's too much money for Troy Hill, but in we got to count our dollars with this team because they they don't have a lot of cap space. But this is kind of like you're using the tail end of it, and next year we will have cap space. It's just, I don't know, man. We can complain all we want. It's it's In reality, if it all goes well, it's $2.5 million, um, which as silly as it sounds 
to say that $2.5 million doesn't matter because I'm guessing uh, if anyone listening to the podcast was given $2.5 million, it would be the best day of their lives, including us. Yeah. Uh, but in the grand scheme of things with this team, with how much money they're giving to people, uh, that money is probably not going to make a huge difference. But it is what it is. You know, this, this is how you get – I don't know. I don't know. I think we just don't like Troy Hill. <laughs> what are you talking about, Steve? That's all you. Would love to get Troy Hill on the pod if he ever wants to. Um, all right, let's move on. Uh, report out this week, according to NFL.com's Ian Rappaport, the Rams are, you know, have an understanding that Gurley won't be the team's bell cow running back, and the team will spread the ball around in order to preserve Gurley's knees. Um, so I guess I'll start with this. I, I think this is just a given. No, I think this is how it should be. I, I don't think we, and I, again, I'm not, I'm not a doctor. And more importantly, I don't know what's going on with Todd Gurley's knee because nobody will fucking tell us what's going on with his (laughs) knee. Uh, nobody knows, but you know, you look at the guy, he had, I hate doing math on the fly on the podcast. Uh, like 315 touches last year, which is a, a lot of touches. So I would personally, if if he plays, and that was in 14 games, so that's a shitload of touches. I would personally like to see him around, I don't know, 250 touches. You know, he ran the ball 256 times last year. If he runs it closer to 200 and still keeps about, you know, he had 59 receptions, maybe he gets 40, 50. Something in that range. I don't know. I think to me that would be ideal. He was averaging 22 touches a game last year. You trim that back to like 17, 18. That'll make me feel good. You drafted Daryl Henderson. Uh, you know, we talked about how we didn't really love that pick because it meant the Rams were concerned about Gurley. But you know what? He's on the team. If you're concerned about Gurley, you give the guy the ball. And I still think Gurley should be out there for the majority of the game. And I, even though I like Malcolm Brown and I think Henderson will be good, he, he, you just gave this guy so much money. So it's part you got to preserve him, but also like you got to play him. You know, I mean, he, you know, he shouldn't be the bell cow, but he should still be getting a lot of the touches, and I'd say the bulk of them. But um, getting him breaks and kind of load management is is a term that people like to use for this kind of stuff. Make sure you don't overrun him in the first 10 games of the season. You know, I'm a 76ers fan for those who watch basketball. Uh, our beloved figure, Joel Embiid, who is made of glass, who has glass bones and is made of paper skin, uh, was leading the league in minutes like in January last year. And we were all freaking out because he should never lead the league in minutes. And lo and behold, come the all-star break, you know, his knees are shot and we had to let him sit out some time. Uh, he's not 100% for the playoffs. And we they lost. Um, obviously, the Raptors in the finals. So, you know, no slack on us. We were almost there. But, the, you know, Gurley, I think you got to deal with in a similar way. You know, you got to have him out there. You got to get in the ball. You have to make the most out of him because you're locked into it. He's a huge part of the team. But don't overdo the guy. Be smart about it. Save him in drives, get him some breaks here and there in drives so that when you're in the red zone, you could put him in and he could get you the touchdowns, which is where he's at his best. And, yeah, I, I guess that's my rant. I, he shouldn't be a full-on every-down bell cow every drive, but 
I still think he should be leading the team in touches, or at least the backfield, by a very large margin. But it should be dialed back a little bit. You know, when when I saw this report, I just was kind of thinking to myself, duh. I mean, yeah, I, right. I thought this was... Uh, this was kind of a given already. Like <sighs> evidence. I mean, it, it was it was definitely something that was going to happen regardless of who the Rams drafted. But it even became more evident when they drafted Daryl Henderson. And no matter what bold, you know, Les need or you know Sean McVay spin, you don't draft a guy like Daryl Henderson and not use him. So they were claiming that they were they drafted him because the value was there. Yes, and while I agree with that, why do you draft a guy like that to use him as an offensive weapon because he is that talented of a player? So with all the backups and talented backups that the Rams have, there's no way that that they can use Gurley as a bell cow anymore you know he he's just too I mean first of all we we like you said we still don't know about the knee 100% um but you're right you have to you have to conserve the guy because at, at some point it's gonna get to the point where maybe the investment was too much and while it may be at that point, at least get some kind of production out of him. And you're not going to if you give this guy 300 plus uh, carries a year and he is basically reduced to nothing in, in the uh, playoffs. So when you have all this talent behind him, you have Brown, you have Henderson, you have Kelly. Davis probably doesn't make the roster. So you have all these talented guys there. And yeah, there, there's no absolutely no reason for Gurley to be this bell cow. So um, I, I just I don't understand why this has became a story or, or a shock because it was obvious to begin with. I do want to say though, um, the, the fact that the Rams drafted Henderson means that yeah, this is definitely true. Uh, you don't want to use him as a bell cow, but you know how much money the Lions paid CJ Anderson one year one and a half million dollars we just wanted this whole rant about how Troy Hill's 2.5 million dollars isn't that substantial we could have had CJ back now I don't know if he would accept that from us but hell you give him the 2.5 million dollars and you use that third round pick to get you know another guy to position who's gonna have a player expiring soon uh, maybe that would have been the better move if you want to limit Todd Gurley's touches. I'm just throwing it out well, there. I'll tell you one thing. I'd rather have C.J. Anderson over Troy Hill. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I, just saying. Yeah, I'm just saying. That's just, you know, we were fine with losing C.J. because we kept Malcolm Brown and, um, you know, we didn't know – really have any clarity on the Todd Gurley situation but the fact that Daryl Henderson got drafted in the third round by this team either he was in their first round and they couldn't pass up on him or they're clearly concerned and in that case uh, CJ was a monster for us and you should have brought him back 
Uh, that's all I'm going to say. But it, what's done is done. We, we got what we got. He's in Detroit. And speaking of things that we got, Johnny, both me and you own the book, Hollywood's Team, Grit, Glamour, in the 1950s Los Angeles Rams by Jim Hawk, our friend, our sponsor. Uh, guys, I don't remember the last time I did a podcast. I don't think I was done with this book yet, but now I'm done with it, finally. And it was a great book. Uh, it is a great story about the Rams' history, history of you know sports and just the city of Los Angeles in the 1950s. And it's through the lens of Jim's dad, John, who is an offensive lineman for the Rams from 1953 to 1957. Check out a son's story of his father and the team he played for in the era of glitz, glamour, and future Hall of Famers. You're going to learn not only about guys like Norm Van Brocklin, Crazy Legs Hirsch, Tom Fears, and Les Richter, but I, I Johnny, I picked up uh, this book called Football for a Buck about the USFL, and you know, reading through the book, a lot of the guys in this book were in Hollywood's team. Um, Roman Gabriel was in there. Uh, what's what? Do you remember the name of the coach for the '50s in the Rams? He like revolutionized the passing game. Um. I just read the book, and this guy's in another uh, book I'm reading. Uh, why can't I remember his name? Here we go. I'm looking. I'm looking. I'm looking. Uh, Sid Gilman. Sid Gilman, Gilman. coached yes. in the USFL, and is in this book that I'm reading. Uh, George Allen, who's mentioned in this book, he co- uh, he was a huge coach in the USFL. Uh, Gilman, fun fact, actually coached Jim Kelly in Houston in the USFL. Uh, but this, you know, we're not talking about the USFL. I'm just saying there's a lot of interesting figures and stories and tidbits uh, from this book. That book is Hollywood's Team, Grit Glamour, and the 1950s Los Angeles Rams that, you know, guys that had a huge impact on the history of the game. Uh, you can find Hawk's book online at HollywoodsTeam.com and on Twitter at Hollywood's Team. It's available in both hardback and electronic form at Amazon and Barnes & Noble. You can also find it through various other books on the internet. Guys, you know, we mentioned, we're talking about it. This book is awesome. It's worth every penny for any Rams fan out there. But it also is just a great story about a person's father and the legacy he left behind. Again, guys, trust me, Hollywood's Team, <coughs> Grit, Glamour, and the 1950s Los Angeles Rams by Jim Hawk. It is well worth your time. All right. There's a lot of talking. I had to get a sip of water. We're, because it's June, we're going to unveil a new segment today. Uh, I don't know how often we're going to do this segment. Uh, if there's kids in the cars, get earplugs. This segment is called, Do We Give a Shit? Uh, this segment is about stories that I've seen on Twitter, on social media. Uh, that I'm not sure if they're stories, but this is what we come to in the off season. The first one, Johnny, I don't know if you saw this. Ndamukong Sue posted his first picture as a member of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, if you didn't know, he's on the Bucks now. Just signed with them, taking Gerald McCoy's spot. And he's wearing Rams gloves. Do we give a shit? Not particularly. I mean, <laughs> what probably ended up happening was that's the only gloves he had on him. He probably didn't even realize that the logo was on there. Uh, this isn't a tribute to the Rams or anything. It's just, it was just, it just happened. Uh, the, to me, though, the thing that kind of caught my attention more than anything is that he's wearing Gerald McCoy's number. Ooh, it's just st- steaming numbers. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't really give a shit, but I will say, 
either this is a Photoshop image of an old photo and they forgot to edit out the glove. And I think that's what happened. In that case, I don't give a shit. But, like, if that's not true, why is he just, like, carrying around his Rams gloves? Uh, where was he that they didn't have gloves they could get him? And, like, the, the result was, like, oh, I got my Rams gloves in the car. And they were like, oh, sure. Where are those? <laughs> How does that happen? Uh, I just um, – it could have even been as simple as, like you said, that they – forgot to edit out the uh image but uh it, it's really a non-issue i think it blew up for no really good reason i i still like i still try to figure out why it blew up at all people love their goofs look at the starbucks cup in game of thrones oh yeah people love point it out um all right the fans are realizing that the new ram stadium is shaped like the Rams logo. Um, do we give a shit? Absolutely. That one I thought was cool. First off, it's the only stadium in the league that will have like an actual logo from, you know, an aerial view. So like for me, that's freaking awesome. And it's also kind of throwing shit at, at the San Diego Ch- or uh, Los Angeles chargers. Still getting used to that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just don't see him as Los Angeles, you know. Um, but, yeah, it's still kind of throwing shade their way also because, well, they shared the stadium, or at least they're gonna. So it's kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess I give a shit in that regard. Uh, I, it is funny. It's like how the Jets played at Giants Stadium for years uh, before they built a new one and didn't name it Giants Stadium, finally. But... I gotta, I gotta throw this out there. Um, growing up, I went to Catholic school, and our our church at, in the school it was built similarly to look like a dove when you were flying above it. Um, our the you know the logo of the the church was a dove, and if you flew over the stadium or sorry the church, if you flew over it, it would look like a dove. Uh, unfortunately, our church was the dumbest thing ever. It looked horrible on the inside because it was shaped like a fucking dove, and it did not make any sense. It was like the worst church ever. Uh, my brother and sister grew up in that church. They both got married in churches. They didn't get married in that church. Uh, all my cousins that went to that church didn't get married in that church because it's a piece of shit. And oh, this is a $2 billion project, so I don't think it's going to come out like this. But, uh, you know, sometimes when you – build a building to look at it from a sky view the good thing about this is that people will be flying over it the bad thing about our church is nobody flies over a church in danbury connecticut and even if they did they just see trees because it's a rural suburban area (laughs) yeah (laughs) well i i can't say that um that this will have the same effect because, well, it's shaped as the Rams logo. So at least with the Rams logo, it's kind of in one piece. I can't even imagine like going to a church where it's shaped like a dove. Uh, I think that would be really, really tough to actually make that work somehow. But at least, yeah, in this case, it's more of a structural design where basically – the centerpiece is the round part. So 
when you're looking at the Rams' horns, that's that's basically where your stadium is. So it, it, it'll work out a lot nicer than what a dove would, I would think. <laughs> you know, when you think about, like, Catholic churches, you think of giant, like, steeples and, uh, you know, high ceilings and stained glass windows. Uh, ours did not have any of that. Uh, it's not a cool-looking church. Uh, but anyways, enough about doves and churches. Um, a bunch of Rams defensive linemen, including Aaron Donald and Michael Brock, or basically all of them, like even Morgan Fox was there, attended Von Miller's pass rushing camp. Uh, there were some kind of cool videos from this. Uh, Aaron Donald was breaking down his own film, giving tips to DeMarcus Ware. Do we give a shit? Uh, yeah, I, I give half a shit on this one just because, hey, it's an opportunity for the entire, you know, defensive line to improve. And I think kind of the, what everyone was saying was that, um, you know, the possibility of Aaron Donald potentially getting better is kind of a scary thought because when you think about it, Donald was not only in a league of his own last year, but he was already considered one of the better defensive tackles to ever play the game at, you know, that one year. So, yeah, the fact that this guy might get better is probably scaring a lot of opposing defense, uh, offenses. So, yeah, I, in my opinion, it does, you know, it does, you know, warrant a, a shit worthy given. So, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and, and not just for Aaron Donald either. You know, guys, like you said, uh, Morgan Fox being there, they could truly benefit from learning from guys like um, Marcus Lawrence and Von Miller. You know, these are, you know, these are guys that you want to learn from. So why not? Yeah, I mean, that's why I thought it, it was cool to me. It was like Aaron Donald. Yeah, I'd hope he'd be there. Uh, it was cool, but like. They brought, like, Sebastian Joseph Day, like, Tanzel Smart was there, Morgan Fox. They brought the whole squad, so I thought it was cool. Uh, good bonding for our guys. And, yeah, if Aaron Donald can get better, which, look, he's gotten better every year, and he's been an all-pro the past, what, four years, first team. <laughs> so it's it's kind of wild that he's at this level and could only get better, and I hope he gets better. All right, last topic that I have here. I was trying to look on Rams Twitter to see if we could get anything new, but it's it's kind of dry out there. A bunch of St. Louis fans did a fuck Stan Kroenke chant uh, at a Barstool event down there. Uh, a lot of people weren't happy about this. Do we give a shit? No, not at all. Like, it, do the people of St. Louis have a right to be upset with Kroenke? Yes. I, I think I think there's a legit a legitimate reason for the people of St. Louis to be upset. And hell, if I was in their situation, I might throw in a fuck Stan Kroenke out there as well. But the reality of the situation is it's done. It's over with. The Rams are in Los Angeles. They are not in St. Louis anymore. It sucks for the people of St. Louis, but um, you know that's business, unfortunately. You know, that that's how the cards fell. So do I care? Not necessarily. I mean, I hope everyone stood safe and didn't get too crazy out there. But other than that, I could give 
less than a shit for this. Yeah, I don't give a shit. Look, if you're if you're mad at St. Louis fans for hating on San Kroenke, like you're you're the asshole. Uh, they lost their team. Uh, the, the Los Angeles fans have the Rams, and the St. Louis fans don't. So why wouldn't they be mad? Um, you, I got into argument about this on Twitter. Someone was saying like uh, Stan Kroenke is living rent free in their heads, but like, look, they have the right to be mad. Uh, you could say all you want about how St. Louis wouldn't build the stadium or whatever or if they couldn't get the details to work, they couldn't get built on time. The fact of the matter is Stan Kroenke is building a $2.6 billion stadium in Los Angeles, and he wouldn't even fund a fraction of that for the St. Louis stadium. You could say, well, the Los Angeles stadium has more value. Of course it fucking does. That's why he moved. But that also doesn't mean he wanted to stay in St. Louis because he didn't, and they have the right to be mad about it. And the Los Angeles fans uh, have the right to not care, but let them be mad about it. They lost their team, and they probably will never get another one, uh, as much as I hate to say because I do like St. Louis. But uh, that it is what it is, man. The, he took the team, left, uh, kind of shady to me, but it's here now. I'm happy they're in L.A. It was the right move, but it still sucks for them. Uh, to kind of add a little bit to that, you know, if you're if you're an LA fan and you're kind of taunting, you know, the St. Louis fans, just remember where the LA fans were, you know, five ten years ago. We were in the same situation essentially. You know, we lost our team. We didn't have a team for, you know, decades. So, just remember that feeling of how shitty that felt. And you can understand why the people of St. Louis are saying, fuck Stan Kroenke. Just keep that in mind. You may not agree with it. You may not even support it. But just keep your comments to yourself. Don't be dicks. If there's any older head OG Los Angeles Rams fans listening to the podcast that have lived in the area, I'm sure you were you know, saying similar things about Georgia Frontier in 97. Um, and no, that there was, was more. Yeah, and that's fine. You know what? They had every right to. Just like the St. Louis fans have the right to bitch about Kroenke. Um, I, you know, it is what it is. They're gone. Uh, sucks for them, but uh, they're in L.A. now. All right. Um, I think that's it, man. You got you got anything else you want to talk about? How was your trip? Uh, well, I freaking love Taiwan. If you guys ever have an opportunity to go to Taiwan, it's honestly one of the most beautiful countries you could ever visit and uh it's actually not that expensive to go like literally your most expensive uh part to go there would be your plane ticket which you know after that it's super cheap uh so uh, steve if you're ever looking to travel i highly recommend that and uh one last thing i want to mention is some uh, a topic that you'll probably love I am super stoked on this off-topic, you know, topic about um, Undertaker finally being able to face <laughs> Gold. Oh, my God. <laughs> you knew, I had to throw that out there. I had to throw that out there. Hey, you know, it, it's about 20 years too late, but, you know, I I freaking love that it's finally happening. Sorry, I'm excited about it. It's it's you know it's happening at one of those Saudi Arabia shows I was telling you about, right? Yes, I'm aware, but <laughs> still, it's so freaking cool. 
I just like like whoever the the Saudi um like princes or whoever I don't know um that's you know calling the shots for these pay per views like what they must be just like living in the late nineties and he's like hmm. What matches do I want to see? Give me Goldberg and The Undertaker, both in their mid-50s. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, it's about 20 years too late, but I still am excited about it. And I'm sure many others are, too. I think even secretly you're excited about it, Steve. I, I'm intrigued. I will say I'm intrigued. But uh, I, I will say uh, Goldberg, he fought at WrestleMania, I think, two years ago. Uh, he had a match with Brock Lesnar. It was like five minutes long, but it was fucking off the chain, man. It was such a fun match. Uh, Undertaker is absolutely washed and has nothing left, and I cannot believe he's still wrestling. And I can, and I cannot imagine this is going to be a good match. Uh, I expect it'll be like six minutes of them staring at each other. Uh, I don't even if Goldberg can lift up the Undertaker and hit the jackhammer, I don't think I want to see that because I'll be fearing for the man's life because he's so goddamn old. So he breaks the hip in the process, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, the thought of, you know, seeing uh, Undertaker, Tombstone, Goldberg, I mean, that that's intriguing, right? Yeah, yeah, it's intriguing. I mean, it'll be cool for it'll be cool, but like it will. As a wrestling fan, it is not. I can't imagine it's going to be a good match. But like, <laughs> I, I'll check it out. I don't think I'm going to watch this whole event because it's weird and also, quite frankly, not a great card. Uh, and usually these pay per views don't matter. But like, I'll check out that match. You can't not watch that match. That's really, like, the only reason I'm excited about that whole card. The rest, I, I could give a shit. Well, you know, Randy Orton and Triple H are fighting in a grudge match um, that has happened tons of times. And nobody yes. asked for. Because, like, nobody need, <laughs> Next year, it's going to be Randy Orton versus John Cena. Like, one last grudge match. Like, yeah, they fought in fucking 900 times. Uh, we don't need to see it anymore. Let them let fight new guys. But, hey, whatever. Uh, that's why this show is happening in another continent. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, we will report back next week with um, how the Goldberg Undertaker match was, as well as I'm sure we'll get some other stuff uh, for you guys. And we'll try and get a couple guests here uh, in the June lull, as we like to call it. But uh, don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter at Talk Rams on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Rams Talk. You can find me on Twitter at Steve Ribeiro. You can find Johnny on Twitter at Johnny five not six, and don't forget to follow us on anywhere you are getting your podcasts, guys. That's iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, uh, iHeartRadio, Android, Google Play, Player FM, Spotify, and iBeat Radio. And Johnny, I gotta say, uh, I put out a feeler on Twitter for questions, and we got no questions. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody asks us a question. Uh, well, so, what, what is there to ask right now? It's uh, yeah. So I guess if if you saw that tweet and you thought of something and you didn't want to ask it, you can ask it next time. Don't hesitate. <laughs> but we got through it. All right. Uh, for Johnny, this is Steve. We'll talk to you guys next week.
can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. What you doing? Trying on glasses with Zenny's 3D Virtual Try-On. Wow, that's pretty cool. But those glasses kind of make you look like your Uncle Bob. Oh, not exactly the look I was going for. Um, okay, how about these clear glasses? Oh, or these round ones? Very on trend. I like both on you. You know, I also like these aviator sunglasses. Wait, are those the actual prices? I say get all of them. Seriously, why not, right? Oh, now I want new glasses. Zenny.com. Quality prescription glasses starting at $6.95. Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast.